Welcome to the Programmatic Digest, a podcast dedicated to review industry headlines and trends in the programmatic and digital ad tech world. I'm Ellen Parker, your host and Chief Programmatic Sensei of Ellen Parker Consulting, where we offer customizable training in programmatic media. Welcome to the Programmatic Digest podcast, Brian. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you. We met at the Programmatic IO conference, um, what was it, a couple months ago in in New York, and yeah. you just made us an impression, and I was like, I need to talk to this guy, like, almost every day and on this podcast. So here you are. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, we've been around, so my company, Tech Recipes, has been around for about two and a half years, going on three, which is crazy to think about. Um, myself specifically came from the advertising side, the publisher side, and the brand side. I worked at all the major holding companies, was then recruited over to L'Oreal to help run their programmatic practice. And we ended up bringing a lot of that in-house before going over at the publisher side at Warner Media, running a team of 40 on the yield and planning side. And at that point, I kind of got sick of the corporate world. I left, I went to Mykonos and partied for a month, had a really good time there and came back and I was like, let's see what happens and started this company that uh, very quickly has been seeing a lot of success with um, signing on like Colgate and Clorox and working with some of these uh, agencies to kind of transform their business models. Thank you for the introduction. I love it because I really want to talk to um, what you do on a daily basis and how you got here. Um, so let's talk about uh, your journey into entrepreneurship, onto your CEO at Tech Recipes. Um, you are the to-go guy when it comes to uh, bringing programmatic in-housing, which is almost like a bad word for the ad tech company. I mean, the ad tech industry is almost like that guy. He's doing what? Um, from an agency perspective, I feel like uh, whenever somebody would hear about tech recipes, or if I had to hear from a uh, from tech recipes from an agency owner, it would like make me frown. So let us know exactly, elaborate on exactly what tech recipe does, and how. Like, give us a little bit more juice. Like, how did you end yeah. up creating tech recipe? Yeah, I mean, if I'm starting yeah. from the deep. If I'm starting from the very beginning, and yeah. even now too, there's still a lot of doubt that you have to. Um, I I can't think of the word, but it's still a lot of doubt you have to reduce uh, in your own head, and it's it's hard too because you're playing this part of CEO, so you have to. Everybody expects you to have the answer, but you don't always have that, right? But what I've found for anybody who's looking into this is vulnerability is actually a very powerful thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And it allows people to have some empathy towards you and empathy towards other people and connect with people like yourself, which is exactly what we're doing right now. Um, so when I first started, it was a lot of, can I actually do this? Um, what are people going to think of me if I fail? And the answer to really that, at least in my experience is, you just have to power through that stuff. Like I didn't, I didn't a hundred percent believe that we were going to be as successful as we are. But if you work hard in this business, also it helps if you have a network. Um, but we could talk about how you build that network. You will succeed, right? And especially in this environment with COVID and people working from home, 
it's time to reinvent the future. And we're reinventing the future within the marketing community. You mentioned uh, in-housing being a bad word. What's interesting about all this vocabulary in the Mm -hmm. industry is that it's open to interpretation. So what one brand or agency might define as in-housing for them is not the same as in-housing for something else. So we have three standard models that we take, one of which is the transition from strategy to a brand. Mm-hmm. The next is how do you use um, on-demand partners like tech recipes to help facilitate additional agility or accountability standards or helping with the planning and buying. And then the third being uh, transitioning all of the tasks in-house to the brands. But this is over the course of multiple, multiple years. And again, these are just ways in which you can start to think about it. It's not the end-all be-all for um, how you would design this. And then finally, just to to end the thought is um, from an agency perspective, honestly, we first started going out and being like, uh, get away from your agency, move everything in-house, blah, 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 right? But the reality is, is that that's not really what's happening. And that's not what should happen in every case. It's about supplementing the agency, not replacing the agency. And how do you create better communication, better articulation, so everybody can move faster and have a better work-life balance? That's a great point. And also, I wanted to mention, uh, I came across this article from Forrester and it said, I'm pulling it up, 64% of U.S. marketing leaders expect to bring media capabilities in-house over time with transparency and having control of consumer data being the top reason. Yep. So it just goes back to what you're saying. It's about complementing the partnership that you have with your agency, not so much replacing it because it takes time. You still need the, uh, the expert. You still need that the the investment to do so, which leads into today's conversation too, in terms of like, what are the best practices to think about? Is it time for me to bring in-house or to consider in-house, to consider somebody like um, Tech Recipe? What you mentioned the word, like you and I were talking before and you you referenced to the on-demand programmatic world. So what is your definition of, of that like for our listeners and for myself? Welcome to the Programmatic Meetup. Yay! I'm so excited about this community that we're building. It's going to be a safe space for media buyers, ad ops, uh, programmatic ninjas, data analysts like you and I, you know, just to come up and talk about our day-to-day challenges in our direct roles, some of my some of our wins and some of our Um, opportunities to grow, to educate ourselves. Some of the topic of discussion includes anything from optimization, best practice, QA, templating, workflow, um, operational workflow. I'll have guest appearance. I'm bringing my network to you. And the best part of it is that you'll have one-on-one questions with them. So excited about this, yo. I'm so hyped. Um, so what to expect in your membership, right? Um, you can expect one hour call every first and third Wednesday of the month. Access to all the recordings for the paid members within our community. Um, discounted one-on-one consulting with me and some of the guests that will be gracing us with their presence and their appearance. Customizable trainings, but most importantly, 
new best friends, y'all. I'm very excited about this opportunity. This is a community for you and I. This is a community for us to just join forces and really, really share, really just being able to be together in a community. There's so much growth when you're in a community, when you're able to relate to people, where somebody understands where you're coming from, um, from, from different perspective, right? So, so join today. Programmatic Meetup uh, community is open to you. Bring your friends, tell your friends to bring his friends, to bring her friends and his friends to meet up with us. Um, we respect you, we love you, we appreciate you. We're ready to like uh, support you. So make sure you join the programmatic meetup. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very excited about this. So thank you so much and see you soon. Yeah, I mean, I would say first, before we jump into the on-demand, there are a couple of things that brands and agencies can kind of work together on if yeah. you are considering in-house. And again, um, how you define that in-housing is specific to your brand, but an easy way to digest that is uh, if you want additional transparency and control into the media that you're purchasing. Transparency mm -hmm. just being, where's my inventory running? How much is it running for? What am I paying in tech fees? And the control aspect is very similar. What risk avoidance protocols do you have in place? What overall workflow have you implemented to streamline that process? Again, whether that's fully internalized or with your agency. So some immediate opportunities there is, do you own your technology contracts? Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't own your technology contracts, those something that you can look in with your procurement teams to start negotiating those and transitioning them in-house. Or if you don't want to own those contracts, uh, do you have full transparency into what those fees cost, um, what the CPMs and the, the price tags are for the inventory? All of those conversations can be had with your agency, and they're more than willing to have those conversations. The thing is, is that a lot of the legal language hasn't been defined, which is why you would work with a company like Tech Recipes to help identify the appropriate terminology, the appropriate legal language, and the appropriate like um, uh, navigation between technology, marketing, and data. So that's one point. Now, when we go into on-demand talent, uh, and on-demand talent everywhere. This is me kind of looking into my crystal ball, right? But you're already seeing this with some of the Amazon ads that are out there. Uh, the employee is gaining more control now as people are removing themselves from the corporate world. And this isn't happening all at once, but think about when Uber first started. Uh, you disrupted the taxi companies who were required to have medallions just to work and they figured out a way around that, mm -hmm. a gray area to make this company work. And they don't they don't own their or they don't uh, have full time employees. These are on demand workers that are driving this these cars. So why couldn't you do the exact same within uh, a company? And, and that's not probably going to start at large scale because it would require these companies to completely take an anarchist approach and then rebuild. But for companies like Tech Recipes, it's incredibly successful. And what you'll see is uh, over the course of probably the next couple months, you'll see that Tech Recipes is going to start doing a little bit more hiring. And mm -hmm. instead of the standard job description approach, what we're going to be doing is what are your passions? What makes you you? And how do we have a conversation about uh, enhancing your life 
through your career as opposed to fitting your life within a career, which are two drastically different things. Okay. And so uh, there are companies. One more time. You got to say this one more time. I'll try I don't think again. you heard it really well. Say <laughs> it louder for the people in the back. Uh, yeah, I'll do. I'll do. A, I'll see if I can repeat it. But it's about um, enhancing your life through your career, as opposed to dictating your life based off of what position is open. Yeah, I think I did a better Instead job the first your time. Life into your career needs. It's about enhancing your life through those careers. The uh, to the career needs, basically. So it's it's not the other way around. It's not up to your life to fit to your to your day to day job. It's up to your job to fit into your day to day. So I love that. That's but like that's a that's a huge gift, and and I think that that's probably where we're going, just based off of the trend. Yeah. Um, and you know, just people's mental capacity too, because you're now seeing um, wellness and mental health taking a lot bigger role in larger companies. And this old model of, hey, here's a a piece that we need filled and -hmm. people trying to conform to that piece because they need to eat and they need to be comfortable as opposed to, hey, let's just have an open conversation and see what what your path is and what our path is and see if we can walk that path together. I think it's a great point because um, because it's a real problem, y'all. It, it, it is what it is. Like, it's accepting. I think that's why I'm such a big fan of companies like WorkReduce or Real Rosie and Digital X Media because that's what they provide, the, the capability and the flexibility. So they provide the experts with the flexibility of time. And I love what you use. I like how you compared Uber to where the industry is going. And I just want to clarify, like, I don't think what Brian is saying is that you're going to get a new buyer whenever you you're you're needed on that same campaign. What Brian is really referring to is like you're going to get that expert, but that expert is going to be able to log in when he or she is able and take care of the campaign's demand, maybe, um, and provide just as well of its own performance as it would from like a nine to five, even better in my opinion, because now that person is coming back productive. They probably came back well-rested. They have more time mentally, physically, and their mental space to take care of our demanding campaigns uh, requirements or demanding department requirements. So I see it as a value versus just like, oh, well, they won't be able to to sign on between the nine to five. Yes, some of them will, but some of them just cannot. And that is okay. Because as long as the work is being done, and that's where as agencies or as brands internally, that's where we should take a step back and evaluate, like, how do I make sure I really arm my people to do their best when they are working with us? And that goes back to how are they set up? How are they uh, encouraged? How are they supported? How are they trained? Um, So I love that. I love the on-demand reference here. Yeah, and just to add to that, there is, you know, certain situations where you're going to need people to work from X hours oh, for sure. to for sure. Y hours, right? Yeah, there are requirements. But that doesn't mean you have to work that entire time through, right? You can have conversations around hourly models. You can have uh, FTE conversations. I remember when I was trading and and planning, like I spent a lot of time on Reddit, but I was still, you know, getting paid for that, right? Oh, Once- yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, uh, you think your people are working your nine to five nonstop? No. Right. Like, be more productive at home. And that's, uh, that's also the uh, uh, downfall of working from home because we don't know when the log off but the point is that i remember working in office we barely work 50 percent of the time 50 percent of the time that's probably <laughs> but it's just how it is like you're in the office and but also you know i'm sure somebody's listening and they're like well i'm working this fine cool you're you're better than me you're better than me that's all it means <laughs> well you you have the potential to make way more money and because what's happening is and i'll just speak to my own experience but this is the previous or historical reality is on the agency side, uh, sometimes you're challenged, not always, with the compensation that you can receive. And the way that's made up is based off of the vendor community. Mm -hmm. So you'll get go out for free drinks or free dinner or free concerts. And it's a great experience. Um, Mm -hmm. However, that tends to influence the way in which you would make some of your purchases. With COVID and people working from home, that doesn't exist anymore. So I've heard of agencies having to spend up to 20K more just to get people in the door to talk to because, or you've getting mass exodus. Like some companies I talked to is 70% down in headcount. And because people are like, well, I can't really live my life in New York. I'm either moving home or going somewhere else. It's a cheaper cost of living. But all of these people are still out there and they still have this expertise. So if there are ways in order to consolidate that within some sort of unified approach, then there's benefit to do that because there's cost savings on the employer side. And then there is incremental revenue for those who are doing the work who probably should have got it to before to begin with. Mm-hmm. So how do we create a network of experts to supplement? like the big business investment. So I already know how I'm going to do it. We've already started our own wireframe. I'm not going to tell you my secret sauce because then anybody can take it. But what I will tell you is that as we kind of move into Q1 and Q2, uh, maybe we have a separate conversation. We are in development of aggregating multiple different startups within this uh, workforce community as well as our own network of kitchen contributors. And uh, it would sit within some sort of user-friendly design that people could access. And um, it would be an instant conversation directly with the buyer or the planner to the potential employer, as opposed to having to wait five to seven days to get matched up with someone else. And so that's how we're thinking about it right now. Um, we're actually have put together a just very informal brief and we're talking to some investors. And so if there's anybody out there that's interested in getting on board from the ground floor, then feel free to contact us directly at secret sauce at the tech recipes.com. That's funny. Yeah. Secret sauce at tech recipe. I'll have that in my, in the show notes too, so that anybody can reach out to you. I also have your information such as like your LinkedIn, the website, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, you already here first, guys, or maybe not first, but here as well. Um, no, this is first right. for sure. Exactly. Here you go. You <laughs> I here. saved it for you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, all right. So last question before we go into our closing segment here. Um, I'm curious to know from your perspective, what has been the most surprising thing you've heard from a brand or any client that you work with, of course. 
that you can share with us in terms of like, wow, I had no idea this was a thing or um, wow, why is this happening? Like I need to, to find a solution for this. So uh, a pretty deep question. So yeah, no, I mean it it seems uh well let me rephrase it there's a lot of activity that's happening within the media space mm-hmm. that can create better accountability standards specific to performance. I'm okay. going to use awareness-driven campaigns as an example. Um, that can be across any single category, but a lot of the times these brands, uh, and whoever's managing the campaign from, if you have an awareness KPI, it's really about reach and reach to me means, okay, let's just spend the budget. And so instead of just spending the budget, how do we help to educate the end client about ways that you can hold your impressions more accountable? And what we've been doing is we've been kind of redesigning or creating our own methodology around either a QCPM, a qualified cost per thousand, or a QCPH, a qualified cost per human. They're basically the same thing, right? But instead of just looking at impressions delivered, it um, complements that with viewability, with fraud, with whether or not a human actually saw the ad. and. What it'll do is it'll look like your price is a little bit more expensive, but the reality is is that what's happened over time is that agencies have been starting to get squeezed uh, for their prices because brands are starting to take things in-house. And when you start getting squeezed for your prices, that's a race to the bottom. So your CPMs get lower and lower and lower, but you start to get shit inventory. And if you're not looking at this, you don't have the control and, um, and transparency in place, it's really hard to determine what you're getting. Uh, very sim- similar to the people that we're hiring, you get what you pay for, right? So uh, we focus on quality over quantity and putting the appropriate accountability standards in place. So that way, everybody who's buying your inventory is held to a higher standard. And it's really, and the keyword here is like transparency, but also like making sure to take the time to assess, to go through that exercise of what is working and what not working, and let's readjust what's not working into what could be working. And so I just want to let our listeners know as well, and viewers on YouTube, that this is not a sponsored content podcast. Like, I wanted to talk to Brian because I've heard you on the programmatic IO, of course, I said that. And it was fascinating the way I thought it, the energy, the charisma was on point. Um, I also really enjoy the fact that you cursed here and there during the presentation because that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Having a toddler, I need to watch it because now she's like <laughs> absorbing everything. And so, uh, yeah, we accidentally though said the word shit the other day and she kept saying sit. <laughs> uh, no child, I'm pretty sure you're not saying the word sit. But um, so, yeah, so. The reason why I wanted to to talk to you is because we need more of that diversity perspective in our industry. And you're here to to assess a problem and you have solution to that problem. And it might be geared towards brand, but it can help agencies. It can help a talent, the the employee um, out there. It can help anyone. So we really appreciate you taking the time today. Um, so we could talk about this for like hours. You and I were talking 40 minutes before we started <laughs> recording because of everything we just like, talk, like what was happening in terms of like, 
our startups or your your uh your startup and what was happening and what's going and and anything else. So projection for this industry. How, what do you think a year from now? What kind of conversation we'll have you and I will have a year from now? Do you think? We'll yeah, have and before before be I move on to that. Before I move on to that thought, yeah. before I lose this one, is a good analogy of like this transparency exercise is Ooh. there is a, a treasure trove of information and value that sits within or behind these castle walls. But in order to get into that, you have to have the key and you have to have the right words to express what it is you're trying to get to, which many don't have today. Um, and that's where we can help out. Now, when we talk about crystal balls, I think one of them we hit on already is the workforce experience will completely change. Um, you'll start to get more people on freelance, which is you know act, the actual term we use on demand to make it much more sexy because we're marketers. But I it's like just it. a group I'm of gonna, freelancers. I'm gonna I'm gonna use it now on demand. <laughs> on demand, um, I love it. So I think that's part of it. I also think um, with that, you're going to have um, experts from around the world who can solve complex problems for you based off of different experiences in different cultures, which I only think opens up the world. Uh, and then if you want to get like super nerdy, mm -hmm. when we talk about like the metaverse, which the metaverse, how I'm defining it right now, is basically a virtual reality surrogate type of play where you can interact with people from an entertainment perspective or from a work perspective or whatever that is. Microsoft has already started designing their own form of the metaverse, which would allow for um, direct uh, interaction with other workers to complete tasks within a virtual environment. And ultimately, I think that's where we're going. Um, I could riff on this for hours and hours, but I wouldn't expect us to continue the Zoom experience. This Zoom experience will evolve into some sort of virtual reality, which will have um, more senses, uh, 2D to 3D type experiences. That would be really cool. I mean, uh, that would be really, really cool. Um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing. Let's cool. Let's move into our closing segment where I like to ask about um, yourself, the latest things you've been reading, the latest things you've been listening to. So what's in your, your, your audible right now? What is your, your latest book you've read or latest thing you've listened to? Um, so I've been listening to, so I'm not good at sales. I wouldn't say it's definitely not my, um, my passion, uh, it's a necessary evil. Uh, and I don't really sell when I'm talking with people anyway, but I have been listening to this book around um, different practices you would take in order to increase your outreach and um, have better conversations with people. So that's what I've been primarily focusing on. I did also read, uh, and I forget the name, but it's the basically the biography about the man who um, established Nike. Mm -hmm. And for anybody, I'll have to get it to you, but for anybody who's doing a startup, it's really interesting because this guy talks about how he was sleeping on the floor with no heat. Wow. Uh, and then how he basically went to Japan pretending he had a bunch of sales 
so he could get a distributor to then bring it back to then sell out of the back of his car. And this is how Nike started, right? And so hopefully not everybody has to, you know, sleep on the floor with in the cold. But the reality is, is that struggle will define who you are. Everybody goes through challenges and it really is dependent on you to determine what those outcomes are based on those challenges. I love that. I think there's a quote out there that says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, for sure. So tell us one fun fact about yourself. So it's starting to get cold. I'm super pumped for the snow. I've been a snowboarder. I started skiing when I could walk and I've been a snowboarder for the past, uh, I don't even know, since I was like four or five years old. Wow. Um, So I'm getting excited for that. And my girlfriend to buy me some time between that just got me this e-skateboard that goes up to like 26 miles an hour, which I will not be going that fast, but it's super (laughs) sick. Like it's the closest thing I found to snowboarding on pavement. Oh my gosh. You got to send us a picture or a link that I can put in our show notes because I have no visual on it and I do not. I will. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. I'm the opposite. I don't, I don't like, I don't like cold season. So this is when I start being a little bit more bitter about my life. because (laughs) It's okay. That's why we do daily affirmation for a reason. Um, all right, so let's close the podcast with word of wisdom. What would you tell your younger self or your freshman self starting in this industry? I would say that whenever you have a question and you're afraid to ask that question, be bold and say it because there's probably 10 other people in the room or on online that are thinking the same thing and you don't learn without being curious. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I hear that a lot. Stay curious, have the courage to ask the right questions and all questions, to be honest. So thank you so much for dropping by. This no, is thanks so for having me. You're amazing. And um, Brian uh, dropped his email earlier, but can you remind everybody just in case somebody wants to quickly reach out to you? Yeah, you can reach out to us at secret sauce. That's one word at the tech recipes.com. Or tech recipes with an S.com. So we'll have all your information in the show notes. Uh, Thank you again for dropping by. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Feel free to grab today's conversation and show notes, including our guest information on our website, programmaticdigest.com, programmaticdigest.com. See you next week and stay curious, my friends.